You watched all three shows? I did. From beginning to, well, not quite the end. I skipped the end credits. Oh, really? Well, yeah. On which one? Because that was the best part of one of them. Uh, shit. All of them. Well, one of them was the best part. Aww. Only because it was over. I can't wait Just for because you it was over. to tell me about them, and then I'll go back and watch them. Just the end, end credits. Yeah. I was shocked that they're all online. You can watch the full <laughs> full seasons of all three of these shows if you choose to online. Full seasons. I don't choose to do that. No, I, I wouldn't either. I know we haven't talked about it yet, but I'll tell you right now. Not a big fan of Uncle Buck. We'll start this. Hey everyone ever, and welcome to 20th Century Pop, the show where we try to understand the present while living in the past. Uh, my name is Tim Blevins. And I am Bob Canning. And Tim, can you hear my children in the background? Um, I, I can't. Are they going to be on this episode? Uh, I hope not. Okay. Well, I, I, it's not coming through now. Maybe That's some good. remastering and some adjusting no, they were, the levels. No, they were we just can... walking past the, the, the wall here, and I could hear them, but I'm glad the microphone didn't pick them up. Were they saying, I hate digital media? They were saying something about hate. I don't know exactly who or what they were hating. Oh, Jesus. Do you <laughs> need to check on that? I mean, do you think you'll come out to some <laughs> no, blood on the walls or a dog talking backwards to one of your children to kill? Or no, lick, think, as a I dog think, would say? I think we're okay. I think All right. They've... they've They've either quieted down or more likely just moved further away from the wall. Did you ask them? Did you just text them to walk by so we'd have something yeah. to start? No, that's the, exactly the what with. I did. I need a bit for the opening girls. Please the opening walk girls? by the wall and, and praise Satan. Okay. Well, I'm, that's I, I didn't know that they were religious, but that's good. That's something. Is that a holdover from Halloween, which was our last episode? Goodness Ooh. gracious, maybe. The, no, right now the only holdover is all the candy that they keep eating. This this will it's gonna last them two more weeks I think. Oh, that's good. Well, hold on to that. It's, it's important to have dreams and goals. <laughs> but uh, this week we have neither. <laughs> that's, no dreams on this episode. That's no true. Goals. I think that's unfortunately true. Well, the goal is to get through it, um, <laughs> and and the dream is that we will. So in a way, th- th- I guess we have both. Wow, we just turned that right around. That's that's a great attitude, Tim. Yeah, if, if I'm known for two things, it's great and attitude. <laughs> So I'm happy to have them both. I don't think I have either. I'm not great. And I don't think I have attitude. No. You know, like people are like, yeah, he's got a bad attitude. Or something. Like I like to give them attitude. I don't think I have that. I know somebody who's got attitude and he's from an episode of television that we watched for this week's particular episode of our show. Uh, I know someone who's kind of got a segue, but doesn't really have a segue, no. but it'll work there okay. There were too many words segue. in that segue. Sorry about that. <laughs> there were, and, and none of them referencing the topic. But this week, this particular week, why don't we jump into this? Yes. What uh, we're, we're doing a segment that I always enjoy, almost always, most of the time enjoy. Uh, we're doing something called a binge podcast, which was, uh, it's a segment where uh, we take some shows from the 80s or 90s that we might have watched sometimes didn't watch in the time and and we, we 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 watch them now in sort of the the fashion of the day which is to watch a bunch of shows in a row kind of seeing how they play do they hold up over time what's changed what hasn't and uh today we have some more it's more of a thematic binge and podcast it's not a single series what uh, what would you say today's um What's what's the topic? Theme, I what's guess. the topic? Well, what we've done is we've gone back and and we've picked and I say we, but it was really you. You picked uh, three episodes of different sitcoms uh, from I think they're all from the nineties, if I remember um, correctly. They, they are. They're all the pretty much from nineteen ninety. I think just yeah. about yeah. Um, of these are sitcoms that were based on successful feature films. We're looking at three shows, um, two of which I think aired on NBC and one of which aired on CBS. Uh, we're looking at uh, television adaptions of uh, Working Girl, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and uh, Uncle Buck. Uncle Buck. Are you a fan of any of those as films? Do you like those three movies? Uh, I'll be honest. I haven't seen Uncle Buck. Oh, really? As, so as a movie. Like, I've seen bits and pieces here, but I've never actually sat down and watched the whole thing from beginning to end mm-hmm. of Uncle Buck. I've seen Working Girl, which it seems odd. If if I hadn't seen one of the three of these, you would guess, I think, Working Girl. Because um, what 12-year-old, you know, uh, adolescent male is going to want to go see Working Girl? Fan of um, Harrison Ford might go see it. Fan of Aliens and Ghostbusters because of Sigourney Weaver might see it. Okay, so I'm guessing... Carly Simon fanatics. 
I'm guessing Tim saw it then at that age. Yeah, I did. I saw it at that age, yeah. <laughs> Yo, I'm returning your TV guy. It's a month old. So reminisce. <laughs> so, where are you going? Office party. Who with? I'm going alone. By choice. She's truly the total woman. I'll tell you what. Since I happen to be available for like the first time in five years, I'll take you to the party myself. Well, gee, Sal, don't you think that since the party starts in half an hour, I would have asked you by now? Now, uh, see, you're just afraid I'll embarrass you in front of all those three-piece suits. No, you just wouldn't enjoy a party without a burping contest. Do you remember the show, Aaron? Do you remember Working Girl being no, a show? No, you, you sent me the links. You said, hey, I sent you uh, an email with the links to the show we're going to watch, to the shows we're going to watch. You didn't tell me in that what the shows were. I think we had mentioned Ferris Bueller, but the other two I wasn't sure what you were going to pick. And when I saw that one of them was Working Girl, that moment right then and there was when I realized that there was a TV show based on the movie Working Girl. Oh, so this wasn't promoted well then? Uh, n- not in upstate New York, no. You didn't know, for example, that this was maybe someone's first foray didn't, into the public didn't consciousness? Didn't have any idea that, that Miss Sandra Bullock was in this episode. It was in this yeah. series. She's the lead. Now, is that Melanie Griffith's character before we get into I the episode itself? I don't remember that being the Melanie Griffith uh, take on Tess McGill. It seemed like they kind of added this, uh, this other aspect. And they had to because they had to, to fill it out and add these other characters that I don't recall from the, from the uh, movie as well. It struck me as a, as a very clear sitcom-y show as opposed to what the movie was, which was a comedy, but it also had some drama to it. And, and it was just a, it didn't have you know, the, the fact that they added a laugh track to this kind of storyline and, and broke it out into this sitcom world um, is what kind of surprised me on it, I guess. It's odd to, I found it odd because it felt familiar. Yeah. The pacing of the show, the idea of the show, everything about the show felt familiar, not because of knowing the movie Working Girl, right. but because I watched sitcoms in the 1990s. I mean, this very much feels like a version of The Single Guy, Caroline in the City, any of those shows that, that were must-see TV shows. I mean, we get an open credit sequence set to the Carly Simon song. Set to uh, Let the River Run. And it's this triumphant montage of Sandra Bullock taking the boat to work, which yeah. I guess people do. And and it, it sets a tone. It sets an assumed tone that I think if you saw the movie, you'd get it. But if you watch the show, that's not the tone the show delivers. They no. don't choose to follow up on that. What 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 do you get when you come out of those credits? What what's like what 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 are you thinking? What are your first impressions of this episode? Uh well, my first impression is that it's it's just a typical sitcom that just sort of by default is using this this name of a known entity and maybe using character names, but essentially it's not necessarily about that movie. It's not a continuation of that movie or anything like that. It's just a, a workplace situational uh, love story sitcom. That, like you were saying, like that we all were familiar with, um, and it just happened to involve somebody starting her life in New York and starting her 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 life, her career, and so they kind of had. It's almost like maybe this could have been a a spec script before the movie came out, before Working Girl came out, and then when Working Girl became a success, and somebody got the idea, it's like, oh, I remember that spec script. Let's twist this up a little bit and turn it into a, a Working Girl spinoff, so to speak. But isn't that a dangerous move to make? I mean, if someone's a fan of the film and, you, and you're drawing them to something, they're going to be able to see through it right away if it's not yeah. mimicking it. So who is this for? I mean, what, what the setup of the show, I mean, we're introduced to characters at the beginning that I, I don't know if they're in the movie, but we, we, meet, um, we meet this guy named Sal, who is um, a little bit not. Fonzie, by way of the big ragu, he's he's kind of like the he's the guy in the building. I don't know if they're friends. Is he the maintenance guy? I don't even no, no, know. No, no, he's but I, I, they're old friends. They, they're they old knew, friends. They okay. knew each other in high school based on some of the dialogue from the episode. Uh, they've constantly been in and out of love, perhaps flirting with each other, but never actually a couple. 
Um, and she asked him to That's give her... That's a 90s sitcom thing. That's so very much a setup of yeah. any of these shows that assume we want to see romance in this, in this sitcom. So, yeah, he comes in, and, and he's basically there to talk about, ah, those three-piece suits. Yeah. You know, it's sort of like he's the uncouth, uncivilized, heavily Italian in his performance. Yeah. Kind of, and this isn't because he's Italian, it's because of the character slob right. versus the snobs. That's what this show sets up. It's setting up a, a small town or, or old school kind of, you know, uncivilized or uneducated versus the astute metropolitan, you know, overly educated, whatever, business class. That's what the show seems to be setting up. Right, which I don't recall being an aspect of the film at all. No, they're losing the aspect. Like I again, that the the, the aspect of like uh, lower class versus upper class, different upbringings, colliding. That's that's interesting. That's almost always interesting when done well. I mean, it's part of. There's interplay like that on Cheers with Fraser and the other characters. There's there's interplay on that on Dharma and Greg. If I have to stretch for an example, but but it's it's a fine route to go. But you're right. It's not the conceit of the movie. It's not the angle of the movie. And I feel like. The, the 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 sitcom it's class struggle to say it in a, in a classier way there's class struggle in the sitcom where in the movie i think it was gender gender uh comp, you know gender perceptions and and the difficulty of, of women getting ahead in a world where men are ruling it and i i feel like that's the more interesting angle yeah especially in 1990 with murphy brown and roseanne and shows like that on the air i think and i don't get why you would take a film that looked at that because you're, you know, do when you do a, a, an adaption of a movie, in a way you're rebooting the movie because the movie had a finale, it had a happy ending, and either you're you're falling right behind that, or you're you're going to a point of the story and veering off into your own alternate take, and that's what this show does, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's what this show does. It's an alternate take for sure. But it's an odd take. Like, I, why in 1990, which is again a time of I think this of, of examining gender roles in in you know one of the for the first time I would have remembered I would have been 14 or 15 and it was it was a topic that was being discussed. Why why jump away from that and just make a show that is really about again snobs versus slobs, which is what the, what it's set up as. That character of Sal is that. Yeah. Well, I think because it's television, and television especially at that time goes for what's safer, what's more familiar, what they what they believe will bring an audience in. You know, they don't necessarily want to challenge anybody. They just want you to zone out and and have a good time and return week after week. Which I think I could have done if it wasn't based on Working Girl. There's a weird preconceived expectation that this is going to somehow reference and echo the 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 program the the, yeah. the film yeah yeah if this if this was just you know uh, rename her Courtney mm-hmm. and call it Courtney goes to work or whatever um, you've got a new idea it's it's really just a fresh take on on a workplace sitcom um, romance sitcom because you're like you're you're talking about how it's uh you know the slobs versus snobs. But the poster that I found online as I was like looking up some other information about the show had Sandra Bullock in between businessman that she works with and this Sal, you know, uh, tough guy. Businessman being, I know we were talking about him before the show, played by George Newborn, who I was a huge fan of at the time from Adventures in Babysitting, Double Switch. Um, Bob with the Bob Newhart show, all things that I already mentioned to you, yeah. but I'm just saying for the listener, for the listener. I'm a big fan of this guy and, and, and utterly wasted in this show, just yeah. playing the nerdy nebbish guy well, doesn't have in much this episode, to do. Who knows if he was better in other episodes, but this episode, yeah, well, I'm going to guess I do. Well, Cause I think, <laughs> I, I think what we came into here was because th- this episode was basically about Sal finally getting to a breaking point and confessing that he is in love with uh, Tess, Sandra Bullock's Tess. And so we didn't need to see much of George, um, who I think his name is Everett in the, uh, in the, in the series. We didn't need to see much of him. We just need to see enough of him that Sal would get jealous. So I think we probably in previous episodes established that there's going to be a love triangle here because George and, and, and Tess, uh, Everett and Tess uh, probably, Hit it off at work, you know. That was this like, is five episodes in, though. It's five episodes in. Yeah, it seemed a little early for this this big kiss moment at the end of the episode. I thought to, to matter. It seemed like it. I yeah. guess you know we know how sitcoms work. We know it's supposed to matter, 
And again, if that's the focus of your show, then that's what you're following. And I get that. But yeah, I, it, it did not seem to need the job, at least again, in this episode, but sure. that's what we're going off of. I also don't think it needed the actors who were there. I mean, I don't, the, the the scene between Sal and Tess where they are where he does confront I mean like that that to me was bold writing in that oh this character is just admitting it I think if I'm right that early on yeah and they're trying to deal with it and I feel like that scene felt again this feels like it was the prototype for so many shows that we liked right I feel like there's a there's a little bit of this DNA in Friends and then and, and all these other shows and I think with other performers that might have been memorable. The character of Sal is kind of bland, and Sandra Bullock is also kind of bland. Yeah, she's a little bland in this. I mean, she still has that Sandra Bullock charm. Um, Does she? I, I thought so. Like the I Demolition Man charm. Th- there were there were two two actors in this that I got a little bit of of charm out of. Sandra Bullock was one of them, and then the the woman who goes on to play Kira from Deep Space Nine. I I liked her performance in this. I think you may have lost me. Who did she play? Not on Deep Space Nine, but on this. And she, I think she was the representative of the Sigourney Weaver character. Oh, Brienne. Yeah. So uh, she's the um, the the already established executive at, at the office who um, is manipulating people and things, and probably at some point is manipulating Tess. Um, you liked her. You liked her in this. I liked her in this. I thought she was something that had a little. Uh, just a little excitement and you like to Deep her. Space Nine? Is that the other? Yeah, she was in I Deep Space Like, I recognized her. I had to look her up afterwards. Like, I know I know her from something else. So she played Kira in Deep Space Nine. And her name, I don't even know if I'm going to say this right. When I read her name, I was like, that can't possibly be her name. Nana Visitor? That's not the Deep Space Nine character name or episode itself? <laughs> no, that's a, apparently her um, her other occupation. She likes to visit grandmothers. Oh, well. Understandable. They're not going to be there forever. You want to get your last looks in, as they say in, in Hollywood. But I don't know that character because if I remember, I mean, the movie, she was a stereotype, but she at least there was she something wasn't consistent to her. though. What's that? She was like this nervous, awkward. There's a scene with a party, and she's kind of bumbling around, almost like like a weird, neurotically man hungry person. Yeah. And then there's a scene later where she mentions I, she's trying to understand why men are intimidated by her. I'm like, that's. I would watch that. I would, that's an interesting trait. You have someone exploring, because then you're looking at the office issues again, but she just says that line. She actually says, why are men intimidated by me? Whereas four minutes prior to that line, she was bumbling around the office and being ignored by people. And, and it's just that the, 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 I don't think they could let her be the character that would ask, why are they intimidated? The show can't commit to having a character you might not like for that reason. Sure. Yeah. I could see that. But, you know, and the other thing we have to remember is we're coming in to episode five. So maybe there were things that were already established that makes that line a little bit more meaningful and maybe even a tag back to something else that we hadn't seen. But I think sitcoms were still being made where you could just tune in. I think, you know, I know serialized TV is where the 90s went and that might have been the more interesting topic for today. But I think at this point, sitcoms were also designed where you can tune in, especially if you know the source material, the sure. film. And coming to this, I feel like I grasped this quick, but I grasped it because I know sitcom conventions, not because I know Working Girl. Right. And I do feel like it was a missed opportunity. I mean, like, would you watch this show? Would you watch more episodes of the show? No, I was, I was not thrilled by this show. It was probably my, well... I don't know if it was my full least favorite. Yeah, it was probably my least favorite of the three that we watched. Oh, um, mostly because of the Sal character. It it seemed like the episode was mostly about him, mm-hmm. um, and he's just a terrible actor, a terrible actor with a terrible accent, and uh, it's not what I wanted to see. Once I saw that Sandra Bullock was in this, I was like, "Why am I not?" And it's called Working Girl. Why am I not seeing more of Sandra Bullock? I don't know because again, I could see myself having watched this show. I watch Caroline in the City and find it entertaining enough because it's the fantasy little romantic whatever and because I can fill in the gaps. You know, the characters aren't that fully fleshed out, but I can do enough in my head to, to, to be entertained by this. This show, I, I, I could have watched this. I mm-hmm. think I could have followed this. I think it could have been interesting enough because it's and because it's bland <laughs> and because it's like a hundred other shows. That's why mm. the more interesting show would have been set at the office. 
would have had the bulk of the episode be about the party at the office, not the dates after it. Like this show, and again, you're right, maybe it's the episode we're watching. It's missing the working element of working girl. The girl part's there because she's having this funny enough, or inter- I thought entertaining enough bumble with, you know, you're going to tell me you're in love with me. Well, here's how that would work. Like, again, that was nine to me as a kid at 14 year old, that would have been, that's how adults interact. That's what adults who date are like. They're not parents. They're not this. They're, they're, they're straightforward and they're dealing with their feelings. That's something I could relate to for some reason at 14, because I'm pretending I have a grasp, but that's why I liked anything but love. It's why I like Seinfeld. It's adults approaching dating yeah, with the same sort of hesitation and issues I had. And then I think the show, I think it did it passively. I think it was entertaining enough and there's something there. I just don't understand why it's the working girl show that's doing that. Yeah. I don't know. Again, I think it's the familiarity and you're just trying to sell a product and, and uh, um, ride the popularity of something that somebody else did. But isn't that selling short the people involved, the writers or the directors or something, say they're just trying to ride the title? And if they were trying to ride the title, why is Sal a new character? Why is this the route it's going? Like they are trying to distinguish it in a way that is not successful because the title Working Girl is too distracting because you're thinking of this Oscar nominated film. But I don't know. I, I, I don't I don't think it's a I don't think it's simply selling out. I think the people involved were giving it an effort because, again, this is not that different from shows we would have watched in ways we would have talked as just a few years down the line. And in, in certain ways, I feel like maybe the show is a little ahead of the curve mm. in terms of that interaction, that relationship. I mean, Wings wasn't doing plots like this. Was Wings? I didn't really watch it as I, much. I as couldn't I tell you if Wings was. It was a workplace. So maybe they were. More than we know. Well, what makes a successful workplace sitcom? What, what, what? Uh, because that is what would drive well, this, really, right? I mean, the workplace doesn't matter. It's the characters, and and how the characters uh, interact, and if they're interesting, and if you want to follow them, um, it, you're not going to follow them because you want to see if they get that promotion. You want to follow them because you want to see if they win the love of of the coworker. So at 14, would you be watching workplace sitcoms, do you think? 14 or 15 when this aired? Um, I'd be watching some. Like, for instance, if you consider Cheers a workplace sitcom. Yes, it takes place entirely in the workplace. I watch Cheers. You know? Sure. Um, uh, I watch Doogie Howser, which took place at his job. There's a workplace show I didn't really watch, but sure. Yeah, you know? so But again, that's not because of the workplace. I'm not drawn to, oh, here's a hospital show. I can't wait to see this. Or, gosh, I wish there was a show at a, at a factory, which I guess, you know, Roseanne could be at times. Um, well, that was more of a family show. I it think. was more I, of a family I, show. Yeah. But, but you know, it's, it's not the workplace you're drawn to. It's the characters. And these characters were bland and, and uh, I didn't care for them. And I wasn't f- familiar enough with them. Working Girl is a movie I saw once. So if yeah. it wasn't Joan Cusack, if it wasn't... Uh, Melanie Griffith. I probably didn't. I was. I was comparing them too much. You know. That's why I kept wondering: Is George Newborn the Harrison Ford character? Probably not. He's too young to be that. Yeah. But I was trying to plug it all in. So, with a show like this, when you're adapting a movie, probably some familiarity is maybe what they're counting on. And when and this show, for me at least as an audience member, didn't necessarily have that. Um, the next show that we're going to talk about, I think, was nothing but that. Talk about Ferris. Ferris Bueller. Ferris Bueller. Um, yep, Ferris Bueller, based off of Ferris Bueller's Day Off, um, a 1986 John Hughes film, which, I don't know, I mean, are, were you a fan of that movie in the 80s? Um, I don't know if I really was at that time. Um, really? Yeah, I mean, I I didn't see it in the theater, and then it was the kind of thing I was introduced to in bits and pieces as I would catch it um, on TV. Um, so I never really sat down and watched the whole thing until maybe late in high school, but maybe it was college when I actually watched the whole thing. And then I realized when I watched the whole thing, I had already seen the whole thing. I just never actually watched it, you know, in one sitting. Rashomon is what people like to call that. Probably not. (laughs) I loved this movie and I was very excited for this TV series when it aired. Like I remember Ferris Bueller being promoted. I remember that the pilot aired um, in the summer. Actually, I think like at the end of August before school started. Um, I watched it, I taped it, and, and I, I mean, I think I liked it when I saw it. And it's weird because that, that, that was four years after the movie came out. 
Was it that long? Wow. Did you watch the show? Did I ever ask you that when, when, when it premiered? Um, I did watch it when it premiered. I didn't stick to it, um, but I did check it out when it premiered. And I, I remember, and I believe it happened the same season and almost around the same time, it had a competing series that uh, didn't use the Ferris Bueller name, but it kind of had the Ferris Bueller vibe. Um, if you remember that, that was Parker Lewis Can't Lose. Yeah, which was a show I didn't watch. And see, in that's, fact, that's the, the one that I stuck with. I watched that one. Was it good? Was it funny? Like, I what enjoyed was it at the time. Like, I've never really gone back to it, but it was uh, it was an exaggerated world, almost cartoonish sound effects as as they were uh, moving around sometimes, uh, fast cuts and things. It was a kind of a uh, an over the top version of a of a Ferris Bueller type character who outsmarts you know the uh, the administration of the school and all the parents outsmarts the man i think because i probably wasn't as familiar with Ferris Bueller at that time i didn't feel like maybe that was part of my mindset it's like well i haven't I thought this really... was everybody's high school movie i'm i'm shocked that you haven't that you, you it wasn't part of your life there there were there were holes like this um, and I, Were you a John Hughes fan? Have you seen John Hughes movies? I've seen John Hughes movies, but but I have John Hughes holes. I haven't seen as many as I haven't seen all of them. And, and, I mean, at the time, had you seen any? John I didn't Hughes see them movie? at the time. No, no. And that was my holes. Like there would be like um, I and I may have even talked about this on on previous episodes. There'd be times where I'd be with a group of kids, uh, friends at school, and they would be saying these things that just seemed kind of smart, and and that's a really interesting quip that you just doled out out of the blue and i'd be like god man why can't i be as smart or as quick witted as these guys and then years later i'd watch one of the john hughes movies and be like oh fuck that's where that came from so all my friends were watching it but i i didn't watch them at the time i can't believe someone dumped you like a sack of garbage she didn't dump me we had a misunderstanding she doesn't understand me hey ferris i i heard you got dumped he wasn't dumped all right Listen, if you need a shoulder to cry on, I've been there. I feel your pain. It means a lot to me, Arthur. And uh, if you and Sloan don't get back together, would you mind if I start dating her? Give it a week. Let me sort things out. I hear you, man. Sloan will get over this. I don't know. She seemed pretty upset about being dead this morning. Cameron, what Sloan doesn't realize is that a leopard can't change its spots. I believe it was Popeye who said, I am what I am. So you probably weren't excited for this show. Uh, for Ferris. Ferris Bueller, no, no I wasn't for this really podcast. excited for it. No, when it came out, I did check it out, but then I think I just maybe didn't quite feel like I should be watching this because I'm not already a fan. So I'll watch the other new thing, and then that will be fresh and new to me, and I'll become a fan of that. It didn't feel like a rip. That was my thing. I didn't watch Parker Lewis because I thought this isn't new. This yeah. is a ripoff. I'm going to watch the TV show that rips off the movie I like, <laughs> the title of the movie I like. Yeah, I, don't, I, I think because I had that approach, it, it didn't feel like that ripoff. All right. I mean, I will say, like, I fell off of watching it very quickly. One, it was strange. They premiered it in August with one episode, and I think it was almost a month until it came back. Interesting. Um, and I, I watched- wonder if that was wasn't that something they kind of did where they would make the pilot and and instead of necessarily having um, the the TV execs decide, they would actually air it and see what kind of rating or reviews it got before they made it into the actual series. But, I mean, this was only a month apart, so the episodes were written and being filmed. It was just – I don't know if something dropped out of the schedule, if it was to get buzz going. I mean, it worked for me because I, I was excited for this show, but I didn't really come back to it. And I wonder if it, part of it was probably that month lag time. Like, I think I have two episodes on tape somewhere that I taped off of the air. And, again, it was very exciting. that The version – we watched an episode. We watched the uh, eighth episode called Sloan Again Naturally that aired uh, November 5th. 1990, and I, we watched it on a legal streaming <laughs> uh, medium. You did, and I did. Yeah. Um, but did you notice the music is blocked out? Yeah, I did notice that. I assumed that they were probably um, pop culture songs from the time, and and they didn't have the rights, and so that's what everyone's freaks and geeks box set could have sounded like if they didn't hold off and get the rights to the show. But it's true, like because one of the draws to me when I watched it was it was using pop culture songs of the time, like you just said. And I just didn't see that on TV. 
you know, I, I'd seen it on Square Pegs. We talked about that last yeah. year, and that did some references. But most of the time, it was fake bands or the most popular band of the day. Everyone was going to see Bruce Springsteen or U2. Yeah. But this show used, I remember it had a B-52 song. I think it had, um, probably had some songs relevant to John Hughes' films. And, and, and I, I do miss that on the version we watched. But, you know, those were all kind of the draws. Something that's not the draw to the Ferris Bueller show um, unfortunately, and it's problematic because it's in the title. Um, Charlie Slatter, Slater, Slater, um, is yeah. the, Slater is the actor they got to play Ferris, and he does not work. You don't think so? I think he's having too much fun <laughs> being Ferris. I, I feel like his Ferris laughs at his own jokes. Yeah, well, I he's mean, he's very he's very smirking. I think he misinterpreted what Matthew Broderick was doing in yeah. the movie. Which is playing a jerk, basically, like making you like a character that's a jerk. And, and he was too afraid to that. So it's just kind of like, we're just having fun. I'm having fun. Yeah. And that rubbed me the wrong way. Well, again, I probably wasn't as familiar with the movie at the time. So um, I don't know if I noticed that. But rewatching it now, to me, it just seems like somebody doing a Matthew Broderick impression. There's no Matthew Broderick in what he's doing. There's I, well, no but that's fur, what I'm no saying. It's, it, Matthew but, Broderick, by the way, is a depressed, sad man just sitting there waiting to die in real life. In real life. Today. But yeah. what I'm saying is, okay, maybe not- Fearful to drive a car in England, by I, the way. I shouldn't have said Matthew Broderick, but, but a Ferris Bueller impression. Like, he has a tone. He has a bit of that smirk. You know, I, I, see, I see Ferris Bueller in this- series more than I see Tess McGill in Working Girl. Um, but I agree that that the actual overall vibe isn't right. Um, and I saw that in a, in a couple of ways, not just the, 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 the actor doing Ferris Bueller, uh, but the, the choice for Sloan in this episode is very different than the Sloan from the movie. Um, Amy DeLenz. Yeah, Amy DeLenz. Um, and then... Uh, we didn't really get too much of Cameron, but he seemed miscast. I loved him. You thought so? He has the best line of the episode. But, Here's the thing. I'm, I'm, I, I don't mean to cut you off. I think everything in the episode we watched of this show worked with the exception of Ferris Bueller. I really enjoyed this episode. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, you have, it, it's the. You haven't three, mentioned was, that Jennifer Aniston is on it. Jennifer Aniston Jennifer plays Aniston his sister Jeannie, and she is great. This might be my second favorite thing she's ever done. She's funny. She's very deadpan. She's it's the character is saying things, but they're not jokes. She's a sad character. And she's very entertaining. I feel like there's a weird thread through this episode where Ferris lied that she was dead for some reason to get out of a class or something. And there's a lot of jokes about that, including Cameron's, I don't know, she seemed pretty upset about being dead this morning line. Like, I just, this show is surreal. Yeah. There's a surrealness to this show that everyone but the character who's breaking the fourth wall gets. Um, but I feel like it should have worked. I feel like this should have worked as a show. They give Ferris a little vulnerability because he's he actually has to, this episode is about him pursuing Sloane. Like she's not just guaranteed his girlfriend in this, which which works because otherwise, you know, where's the tension for that character? It, I, I do feel it was well written. You're 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 moving through. I mean, it's basically Saved by the Bell, with the exception of you also get the home life. So because you have the home life, unlike Working Girl, where that's not what I wanted to see, it's a fuller show because that's a world I, I knew as a kid. I knew you, who you're at home and here at school are two different things. I don't know. I loved this show. I, I'm I'm kind of surprised this show didn't uh, turn into something great. You know, I think like this episode might have been the pivot point where they were figuring it out because oh, yeah. I hadn't seen this episode before. I feel like it fires on all cylinders pretty well. It's an entertaining thing to watch, but it's just the character of Ferris. He has one good moment, actually. What was your there's, one good moment? There, towards the end, so he's fighting to get Sloan back and he pulls some sort of lengthy con to try to win her over or whatever. 
And it actually bothers her. And he's noticing this, like he's noticing that he's losing her to, because of his actions. And they get together and they have a sort of a romantic conversation. She says, are you, and he apologizes. And she says, are you really sorry? And his response to Ferris Bueller's response to that is actually, no, you just deserve better. And I was, and, and when Charlie Slatter said that line, which was right at the end of the episode, I feel like, I think he just got the character. There's something to that where it's like this character can't really apologize. He's a smarmy jerk. Yeah. But he knows, he has an awareness that this person, and again, I'm not saying this is a good trait, but he has an awareness that there are better ways to treat someone. I just, I feel like that coming at the end of the episode, you know how some shows develop over time. Some shows know what they are out of the gate and some take some time to kind of feel what's this character, how do they talk? And I feel like this episode having seen prior episodes too, was doing the work of making this what I think could have been one of my favorite shows about school. And yet it didn't take off. It kind of, kind of, kind of fell apart. Yeah. Even though it's coming from a huge source, the, the, the TV show. Yeah. I can't really speak to why it would have fallen off. Um, it to me had the better concept. Theme song. No, the theme song was no, horrendous. It is. It's the second worst theme song of the shows we watched. Um, it, uh, but yeah, like how we were talking about Working Girl, where they sort of came out with a different series, a different theme, a different idea with new characters and all sorts of stuff. This to me kind of does seem like, hey, okay, now it's the next day. Um, and in fact, I think the first episode was called the next day or something like that. Um, for some reason that just popped into my head. Maybe I'm wrong, but essentially it's just his life continuing. And now we get to watch it, um, which I think is the way to do it when you're going to take a movie and turn it into a TV show in some ways, especially this one, because you saw his one day of this guy's life in the feature film. And now you get to see the rest of those days. Um, and that I think worked. Um, but I think, it's interesting because I think what I pulled from this particular episode, part of the whole reason why Sloane broke up with Ferris is because he, she could no longer take his, his personality and, and his quirks. And he was just, uh, I think I wrote it down. He was, he's overbearing. And that's, I think maybe part of why the show might not have worked because it is a lot to take of this character being so overbearing and it's almost like Sloane was the audience and it's like, God damn, just over and over again, Ferris pulling some trick or prank or, 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 or scam. And it's a lot to take. And maybe that's why the show couldn't take off because you couldn't watch that every week after week after week, this character. But that is your show. That's his arc. The difference between the Sloane in the TV show and the Sloane in the movie is the Sloane in the movie is pretty much his girlfriend through thick and thin. They're together. She's going to marry him someday, blah, blah, blah. And she doesn't have a whole lot of character in that movie. There's not a whole lot for her to do. Whereas in this TV show, they could be the perfect couple, which is boring to watch. You know, Ferris Bueller is more about Ferris and and Cameron as a movie. Ferris Bueller's Day Off is more about the two of them. But for this TV show where they're all kind of getting plots and they're all sort of involved, I think it was a wise choice to show some tension there. Like in the original Ferris Bueller's Day Off, there's one moment, a single moment where Ferris panics. It's when he, you know, there's the whole him rushing to get home before his parents do. And right when he gets home, the principal shows up. And it's like he got caught. And there's a moment of vulnerability where he almost gets caught. Jeannie swoops in and saves him and then says some sort of lie. I forget exactly why. And he goes inside and he's back to his prick self. But you needed, and for him to have an arc, you needed that moment as small as it was where there, here's a moment where, up oh, everything could have fallen apart. And so to make a TV show out of that, you can't just have someone who walks through every scene unscathed. That's why I thought the stuff with Sloane, not the greatest actress, Witchboard's own Amy Dolenz, but Witchboard 2's own Amy Dolenz. But I thought that is what you base the show around. That Imagine a bunch of episodes where they break up and Ferris has to look at how, well, this, the, the, his normal way of life, his normal way of cruising through life is failing him. That's, that's actually great 
a great use of the character because you're furthering him. You can't, you know, Ferris Bueller's day off is one day. Like you said, it's a one day in this character's life. If we're going to watch 22 days in a season or 24 days in a season, this I, I feel like this is the perfect way to do it. There's tension between them. He has to actually work for her attention. That should have been appealing, I think. Well, I mean, but that's one plot for one episode, Tim. That's the one episode we watched. And at the end, she was his girlfriend again. Are you suggesting that that's every episode it's that they they break up and get back together? No, but I think that by showing that vulnerability and showing her being exasperated by him, he either has to change in the next episode, which could be boring, or it's going to keep coming up. Yeah, I would watch. I'm not saying every episode is the cycle where they break up and get back together, but I'm saying like we saw it on Friends. Friends has this. You see Ross and Rachel get together break up get together like you see the back and forth over over time over multiple episodes and multiple seasons yeah could you get multiple seasons if you didn't get multiple seasons you wouldn't have seen it or they or if they had ended the series on season two they would have been together like that's what it is over time but that's how you make something work right Right. i think the show just using that that breakup though as as the example it's like a little microcosm of of why i found it hard to how how I could imagine it be hard to watch this week after week because that character is a little overbearing and it's sort of hard you know he's a jerk and it's hard to watch a jerk every week when you need a different actor I will agree with that yeah you think but you didn't find the rest of that world entertaining? No, I did. I did. I, I like the fact I, that it, I didn't remember it as being a, a single camera no no laugh track sitcom. Yeah, and no, I think that's a risk. I think it's setting up the school to be, and I don't I mean, this is a dumb comparison is what people say, but it's like The Simpsons where you have the chance to have this environment with so many background characters who slowly become main characters. I mean, it's a high school. You have the cliques, you have the different, you know, and you have one character who moves through it, Ferris, that everyone admires. But I'm just like, this, this show had the perfect setup to work. Well, the I things think. you're describing are what I very much enjoyed about Parker Lewis Can't Lose. Okay, see, I don't know that show, and that show did do very well. Yeah, I think it did two, three seasons, maybe? Three seasons? But do you think, and this is tying again into what we're, one of the things I was saying about Working Girl, did Parker Lewis Can't Lose, did it work very well because it was superior in its handling of it, or because you don't have a preconceived notion of Parker Lewis as a character? You're not already in love with him through another actor, so now you have to follow this actor. I think that's I, mean, a, I think that's a key thing that that you're not comparing it to something else. I'm shocked that the show didn't do better. I'm shocked they didn't watch it more too. Hmm. A show that I'm shocked by for its <laughs> existence, which is the third show we're going to discuss. Um, Uncle Buck. Yeah, I like how you is add it, the question mark. Why are you adding the question mark, Tim? What's wrong well, with Uncle Buck? Well, Uncle Buck, I mean, it started as a movie. It's a 1989, another John Hughes movie mm-hmm. um, with uh, with John Candy. I think it's the movie that introduced the world to Macaulay Culkin. I wasn't the biggest fan of it. I liked it enough because I liked anything that John Hughes did. And it's basically what it's a, it's about this gruff man who comes to babysit some kids. Yeah. Um, and then CBS... A year later in 1990, and I remember it. I, again, I do remember this premiering. I think this and Ferris Bueller premiered the same season. Um, they took the concept of Uncle Buck um, and made a TV show that um, introduced the world to not wanting Kevin Meany in a sitcom. <laughs> like, I remember the premiere, and I did not like it then. I think I watched one episode, but like, did you say you already said you weren't familiar with this show? No, I were? knew the show existed. Did you watch it? Uh, I didn't really watch it as a kid. I might have seen an episode or two, but it wasn't on my radar at all. Did you know that Kevin Meany existed? I can't. I, I tried to remember if I did. I am a Kevin Meany fan. I liked Kevin Meany. Okay, so you do know who he is. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I would quote him sometimes. I, you know, his little, that's not right. Um, uh, bit that he did. Um, so he had a persona. He had a pretty he, he had a, persona. Yeah, I I don't know if I became familiar with his persona before or after Uncle Buck. Probably after. Oh, okay. Um, but his persona is not Uncle Buck. 
Well, that's yes. Yeah, and so that's, that's a valid. May he rest in peace. Yeah, because he passed away a few years ago. But yes, yeah, he is John Candy, a sort of a tough guy, cigar smoking. He's not someone who should be around kids. Yeah. kind of angle. Kevin Meany's uh, is is shouts a lot and has fake swagger. Like he dances while he's making a big pancake. He's 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 just a vulgar Mister Belvedere. Okay, yeah, and that's a problem. Because he's not likable. They don't have Macaulay Culkin on the show. They have these, ex- you know, expendable kids who oh, don't do anything but look at the camera. So expendable. So it's not a show for kids. It's, it's not a show for adults. I don't know why this show was made. Yeah. I Again, I think it's one of those shows that was made because there was a popular movie. And it's maybe... A popular movie that had... John Candy and Macaulay Culkin. This show has neither. Yeah. That I I mean we watched uh also it has the worst theme song. Oh my god, I hope it just keeps playing over and over through the through this entire episode. You just have it playing underneath us. Just just loud enough that we can we can just make it out. That'd I mean great. internally, yes, that's what I have going on right now. <laughs> it is bad. watch an episode um we watched i think it was the can, fifth episode can you describe it please this theme song well <laughs> i'll play it <laughs> it's um so the show is called uncle buck the theme song the theme song tells you it's uncle buck <laughs> so you know the show you're watching is uncle buck yep it's based on a movie which is not a lyric in the song but that movie is also called uncle buck and apparently he's a man who can i don't know Flip a giant pancake, <laughs> smoke a cigar. He's the one nobody wants. I think might be a lyric. And I feel like you don't, don't feed your audience the truth. <laughs> if you're going to ask them to invest 28 minutes of their time in one episode, yeah. let alone a, a season of it, don't tell them that Uncle Buck is the person other people don't want. Yeah, I don't know why they put in don't watch this show right at the end of the song. It, it, it reminded me very much of the Kevin Can Wait theme. That the yeah, I'm just an ordinary guy theme, okay. which I'll also put in here. Yeah. Normally, I would love to sing these. I just don't have it in my voice tonight. Okay, but but right from the start, I mean, this just this feels like a CBS show. I'll give it that. Sure, this feels like a CBS sitcom. I don't mean classic Mary Tyler Moore or adequate How I Met Your Mother. I'm talking about two and a half men level TV. It's 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 uh, it's just bad men who aren't good. Right cartoon antagonist and again the the movie is about buck relating to the kids in a way that parents don't this i think this show is just about uncle buck right at least this episode was Episode five, Buck to School, I believe it was called. It was. I say believe it because I'd like to think that that was a typo and it has a different title. There's three kids and the oldest daughter wants to drop out of school. Buck wants to argue for her to stay in school, but then he, he, he tells her that he never got his GED. So he and his not art carny of a friend. Yeah, is dumb. that character from the movie? No. Because he. What, the Uncle Buck character? Yes, he's <laughs> Uncle Buck. His friend, I don't, I couldn't fathom how he, how he fit into this. He's not the neighbor. He must just, he's just a friend of Buck's. He's a childhood friend of Buck because the kids weren't engaging. Part of the reason the movie worked is Macaulay Culkin was engaging. John Candy was engaging. Uncle Buck has to interact with something to work. He has to be able to talk to you. And so they give him a friend to bounce off because that's, that's your standard sitcom trope. You've got the character, and then you, yeah, you've got his kind of dumber friend. It's Fred and Barney. It's, uh, I, 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 it might be how, is that how Hardcastle and McCormick work? I don't know, but you know, you, you, you get these things, and so that makes sense. I get why the guy's there. It's just, this is just a dumb show. Yeah. Because you don't care about the, I know we just saw one episode, but you don't 
you don't see Buck interacting with the kids. In fact, the kids take a back seat. Buck goes to school, night school, to study for the GET, GEDs. There's this, again, cartoonish antagonist of the teacher yeah. who wants him to fail. And it's just, I mean, it's just, it's very broad. And you can do that. Yeah. The sitcom audience seems to like it. They're laughing a lot. They're laughing because, you know, what's happening? Well, that's Uncle Buck. But then the tone changes in this episode. What do you mean? Well, at the end, you're like, you're saying the kids take a back seat. And it, they do, but because it is Uncle Buck, and it is him trying to raise these kids, it totally kind of brings it back to how important Buck getting his GED was supposed to be. It was him convincing the, the older daughter not to drop out. And for like the last five to ten minutes of the episode, there's not a single laugh. And I, mean, I would argue for the first <laughs> eighteen minutes of the episode, there's what not I mean a is laugh. There's, there's not, not a single laugh track. There's not a single responding. Yeah, audible laugh track in the last ten minutes. It's him coming to the realization of how important his role in raising these kids is, um, and it ends with him saying, "I don't even remember now." I. Uh, so damn scary. I did write it down. Yes, so damn scary. Him realizing that that everything is is so much more important now, and it literally ended with that line and no laugh and no music and a fade out. And I'm like, what the fuck did I just watch at the end here? It totally went an entirely different direction at the end. It's an affirmation for you for you to know that Buck is so great for these kids. In fact, the show needs to tell us that Buck. <laughs> Is so great for these kids. In fact, there's an actual line of dialogue in the episode where someone says, Buck is so great for these kids. Yeah, we're, we're just supposed to assume that this guy's great for these kids. I think it's in the song, too. Well, I think, well, you mean when they tell you that that's Uncle Buck, he's good for the kids? But all you have is Kevin Meany mugging and mawing. And when he's serious, he bounces when he talks. That's basically the difference. He makes a big pancake. He talks to the little kid like an idiot because the little kid is an idiot. And just, yeah, this this is, a again, much like Ferris Bueller and Working Girl, this is a ready-made concept. They have to change it. In the movie, the parents go away for a trip and come back. On the TV show, they go away, get in a car accident, and die. So now the kids are living with, with Uncle Buck. And that's weird. Yeah. But, again, it's a fine setup. It's Again, I, I made the reference already, and I actually enjoyed the show. I wasn't speaking ill of it. Mr. Belvedere. Like, this is Mr. Belvedere. It's someone who maybe doesn't appear to be traditionally good with kids raising kids. And the kids don't want his interference, but eventually they're going to come around and like him. And you can do that on television. That's a perfect premise. That's a that's the of the three to adapt. That's a, a They all work. That's a good thing to adapt. But you need the kids which this show doesn't have. It has very bland, non-Macaulay Culkin-like children. And it just has a lead who can't carry it. I mean, again, Kevin Meany, very funny comedian, not an actor. Yeah, apparently. We're supposed to like him because he wears a derby hat. <laughs> We're supposed to like him because, again, it's like Working Girl, it's kind of a slob versus snob thing. I've been reading a book about Caddyshack. That's why I keep saying <laughs> slob versus snob. But it's true. I mean, we're, he's supposed to be ready-made to like and it's it's a fine setting he's raising kids they're in a small town there's everything in the world those kids have to do you can put buck in that scenario and it's like he uses his street smarts to teach him a lesson and then they teach him to be more caring i mean that's i'm not saying it's a good show that i would watch but it's it's a workable premise yeah but this show does work so hard on keeping them apart and once again he's no john candy yeah he's uncle buck but he's no John Candy. If the movie had never existed, and it was just like this fall on CBS, a new sitcom you've never heard of, he's Uncle Buck. You know, again, the Two and a Half Men was on for 47 years. <laughs> it was able to maintain itself through cast changes, but it was just lowbrow, I say, lowbrow humor. Sure. And I say that liking other work that that guy has done who created it. Um, the Ninja Turtle theme, brilliant. But... <laughs> It, it was insultingly dumb. Like, Working Girl, I feel... I get it. It, it. There is something there. And if Working Girl had made it to a second season, I bet it would have ironed something out. Maybe Sal would have been replaced with a more engaging character. There you go. Or, or maybe the George Newborn character. Like, that, that could... You, you could salvage that because it's, it's an understandable premise. 
Ferris Bueller, I'm sorry it didn't get to go further because I think that I had figured out what it was and could have done really well. But this, yeah, this is just your typical TGIF ripoff of a show. Yeah. And it should, so it should have worked. Like, what's the great depth to Full House or Family Matters or Perfect Strangers that, that maintain those shows for so many seasons? Like, as the cast. Yeah. Well, and you mentioned Full House. That is similar to what we're watching here. It wasn't a three men and a baby uh, spinoff. But it was pitched that but way. But it was totally pitched was that definitely... way. That's exactly what inspired it and, and why it, it, it was chosen to be made. Why it became so successful, I can't tell you for sure. Um, because it began to focus on the kids. Yeah, that's true. And the kids' relationship. And there was a relationship that made the parents stand out, the the the, the John Stamoses and the Dave Couliers, because of their relationship to the kids. And it was a, it was smart enough in, in making itself work. And I'm not claiming Full House is brilliant television, but it definitely knew what it was doing. Yeah. Everyone was talented on it. Yeah. On Uncle Buck, I don't actually see anyone talented on it. I don't think Kevin Meany is doing the work. <laughs> I know that he's Uncle Buck because the theme song tells us that's Uncle Buck. And because he's got the John Candy hat on, but I just, I don't know. This, this of the three of these, this one should have worked the best because it's so simplistic as a premise. Yeah. But it just does kind of beg to ask, you know, why? Why adapt a movie to a TV show. Cause I don't think it's just the sellout nature of the recognizable property or whatever you want to call it. I, 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 that, that can't be it. Cause that, again, that's discrediting the work everyone does. Are there other movies from the eighties and nineties that you think would have made good sitcoms? Other movies that would have made good sitcoms from the eighties and nineties. Let me think on it. Do you have some that pop up for you? I had a couple that I could see how they would work. Yeah. Whether or not they'd be good, I can see how they would work. Okay. And, I, and one of them I know you've mentioned before. I think I think singles. Oh yeah. The uh, the the set in Seattle, where part of the yeah. grunge music scene movie singles that I think it kind of defined a lot of how we perceived adult life to be. I always wish that was a television series. I don't know if I would have wanted it to be a sitcom. I might have wanted it to be an hour long dramedy type of thing, like a Melrose Place with laughs. Is that not Melrose Place? <laughs> No, it's an excellent so, point. I was never a Melrose Place fan. But it would make you could make a series out of that because yeah. you have an ensemble, you have a location, you have directions in life. Someone can always be writing their next pop song. Someone can always be saving the environment. Like you have things that would work. Yeah. And I can see how that would go south. I think the the issue that might have is that the movie Singles was was it was filmed in Chicago, so, in Seattle. Jesus Christ, it was filmed in Seattle, so it looks like Seattle. You have the the whole dumb like the city itself is a character bullshit, but that's good. The TV so the TV show would be filmed on a soundstage, right. so you'd lose some of that connection. So that might be forced. I think maybe you either reboot it so that the two main characters spoilers for Singles, by the way are not together or maybe you follow their life afterwards. Maybe it starts with them together and then, then they break up. Whatever it is, I think there's a lot of ways you could go with that that would be engaging with a, with a good cast. Um, another movie I thought that could maybe work as a TV show, and I wanted to see what you think because I think you're a bigger fan of this movie than I am. City Slickers? I think City Slickers could have been... T- I feel like that is something that they would have turned into a TV show. Do you think it could have been a good show? City Slickers being the movie where Billy Crystal... No. I don't think that would have worked. Because, no? I mean, the whole reason City Slickers worked is because you're taking these not-so-rugged men out of their their uh, midlife crisis lives and, and putting them in a situation that they're not used to. Um, and then them figuring it out how to how to deal with that. And, and learning who they are along the way. And I don't think you could do that in a series because what would they do every week? Go they on would and, have stayed on the farm. They would have stayed in the West. They would have worked with Curly. But, but see, now that's a nice twist on it. Yeah, that's a good concept. I guess maybe you could do that. But yeah, what, what would that be like? That would be like Green Acres maybe in a way where you have... Maybe. I mean, it would eradicate the ending of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, I guess maybe that's what you have to do. You have to jettison the last 10 minutes of the movie where they actually come back to yeah. to New York, wherever they live. But I think you'd have a comedy of people who are kind of, you know, they would become archetypes. The Billy Crystal character would become a little different. The Bruno Kurt, you know, they would all become broader. 
And they would just be trying to run this ranch that uh, after Curly passed away. I mean, they made a sequel to City Slickers, so clearly somebody thought you could revisit these characters. True. I feel like that might work. Um, the Breakfast Club, I feel like, is, is a movie that would translate well to a film. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, that. You, you, it's high school, ready-made characters, and you start with the next day. Maybe I'm not saying every episode is in detention. You just you're just following these characters, and you're following the tension of wh- how do they now exist in the bigger picture. And that's a show that's that's building off of the movie. That is the one you're talking like Ferris Bueller being one day the next day. Breakfast Club, the TV show doing the next day, could be fascinating because the myth of that show or the delusion of that film. Is that they're all friends at the end. Yeah. And they have a conversation about what's it going to be like the next day. But we're left on a heroic note. Like Bender's going to date Claire and everyone's getting along. I would love to see them that Monday come back to school and have to deal with that. And that'd be the ongoing thing of clicks. And, you know, you bring in more characters because you have to. And you can because you're there in the school and you bring in more teachers. And, it's again, it's not the tension every week. But you're seeing the after effects of these characters that were established in the movie. I, I think that show would be wonderful. I, I, I would watch that. I would run for four seasons. And then you'd have Breakfast Club, the new class. <laughs> there you go. Well, um, one that, that uh, maybe we can talk about because I think you'd like to do that in a future episode uh, is an actual spinoff of a movie. Um, Clerks. Yeah, I was thinking that too. I actually had Clerks, Small Rats, and Chasing Amy each as their own individual show. Yeah. But why, why Clerks? What, how would Clerks work as a TV show? Because Clerks is, is exactly what we've been talking about with Working Girl. It's, it's just a workplace comedy. You've got your engaging characters, both in the store and outside the store, returning customers. You know, So you've got storylines that you can go in and out of. You've got... Um, they're old high school friends. They're in their own hometown. So you can just have returning, you know, like they did in the movie. You can have people coming back from school for a break. They're, they're there for a little while. Maybe they come back and, and now they're the new characters that, that you have. So you don't just have um, um, Randall and Dante. Dante, thank you. Um, you've, you've got all these other characters coming in. And it's it's you get to watch them. It's like they go from their clerk life and they see – uh, the college kids returning um, and starting careers, and, and what do they do? What do they try and do? Where do they progress to? Um, and so, not like the cartoon. No, not like the cartoon. cartoon. Like that's that's the cartoon is just that surreal. I got. I've only seen the cartoon when it initially aired. I'd have to go back and watch the cartoon. Oh, it's great. The cartoon's great. There was a pilot, a live action pilot made, which is horrible. Yeah. But no, I think that could really work. And again, I think that would work as a sitcom. I think you could have a laugh track. I think the pacing would be fine for that. Mall Rats, I feel, works the same. Mall Rats, you have a bigger cast, but every episode is set at the fucking mall. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, it's the type of movie that I would want to continue to see these characters. You know, that that's what I think would make something engaging. Again, maybe not great, but I think if you want to return to those characters, like Working Girl, I don't need to return to those characters, which is why they created new characters or, or changed the, the dynamic of who the character is. Mm-hmm. Ferris Bueller, it, I do kind of want to see what goes on next for this character and his family, and and that makes sense. Uncle Buck, I don't need to see what happens next. But but he's Uncle Buck. So I think that I think it's that. I think do you want to see what happens next? Do you want to see where it goes? Um, and if 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 the feature film tells a complete story and you don't need to know what happens next, then you shouldn't turn it into a a, a television series. You know what character I like? I like the character of Tim and Bob. I wonder where they go next. Well, I, I, if you're curious, this bi-weekly program called uh, 20th Century Pop, you can you can check it out. You can check out the where the, the, the plot lines go during Sweeps Week at uh, 20popcast.com. Ugh, sorry. That's bad. Yes, Bob's right. We're great characters. And you can you can listen to us for reruns for new episodes at 20popcast.com. That's, that's the website. That's where the most recent episode is always up. Streaming as well as links to all of our past episodes. It's under a little bit of construction right now. Maybe by the time this episode goes up, it'll be done. I am revamping the website a little bit. So some of the links may not be working as of the moment, but they'll be back up. Older episodes, I need to re-upload some of those. So um, if you're going to listen to those and not there yet they will be soon uh, but yeah so check us out there if you do like the show if you if you if you want to hear more of the show you can always subscribe to us uh, we're on apple podcasts we're on stitcher or finally on spotify google 
podcast. Yeah, you can find us there. The link's on the website. You can follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at Subcultist for both of those. I try to post pictures of what's going on and post relevant tweets, at least promoting the pictures on Instagram. Um, Bob, what about yourself? Um, yeah, I'm also on Twitter at RH Canning. Uh, you might have seen me post something four months ago. How exciting is that? Um, but but I would add um, so more so than this episode, I imagine. <laughs> no, I- I'm sure whatever you posted four months ago was more exciting than what's happening this current month. I guess I need to be more active, and uh, soon you can see um, more activity from me. So stay oh, really? tuned. I got some things coming. Some things are coming. Some things. To the um, uh, to the internet, to the interwebs, yes, to the online. Uh, yeah. But in the meantime, you say interwebs. I Do wanna... you mean to say interwebs? Is that intentional? That I said interwebs. We don't say internet. Is internet yeah, copywritten? Was... You, you or is I that just your distinguishing I was saying it yourself? wrong on purpose. That's no. You say that a lot. I've heard you say interwebs before. That's the thing I call it because it's not called yeah. that. That's what I was asking. Yeah. Okay, so you don't think it's called that? No, I know it's not called that. But you see, you, see, you say it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, that's 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 fair. I'm as a I call dad it, now, flare. Tim. This is kind of the thing dads do, I think. Dads mispronounce the internet. They do. They mispronounce the internet. They don't know. They don't know who Sia is. I don't know. All that kind of shit. Uh, a lot of people don't because of that wig. <laughs> could be you. Could be me. Could be anyone. Could any be of all of us. Yeah. Did you have something else you were going to say? I was going to say, with all of your um, promotion and subscriptions and all that, if you are uh, a fan of the show, it would be great to get your feedback. We'd love to hear from you. You can you can leave a review on any one of those sites that Tim mentioned. You can reach out to us on Twitter. Um, let us know what movies you think would be turned into a great sitcom. And let us know which sitcoms we haven't mentioned that did get created based on movies. That was hard to say. you have done if she picked quit in school she didn't but i'm saying what if the truth the truth is i'm not sure (sighs) well i guess that's what makes raising kids so damn interesting and so damn scary who's living life 